No man is an island, but that palace sure is. This is Legendary Adventures at Legend of Zelda podcast. I'm Paul Riley. This week in Zelda 2, we backtrack to explore previously locked areas and head to the town of Mido and explore the island palace. We ended our last play session after completing Death Mountain. This is the point where the game became completely new to me. That's because in my past attempts to play through the game, they all fizzled out before reaching this point. Inside Death Mountain, we found a hammer, and thankfully we don't have to exit Death Mountain the way that we came. There's a path to the north that generally follows the shoreline. This path away from Death Mountain is considerably easier than the path into it. To the east of Death Mountain lies a massive cemetery. Rows of graves marked by crosses stretch on for what must be miles. In the center of the cemetery, there's one grave that is set apart from the others. As we approach it, the scene changes. The grave is set up on a platform and has decorative pillars around it. An old woman stands at the grave, perhaps paying her respects. This, she tells us, is the king's tomb. North of the cemetery, we reach a road. To the east is the harbor town of Mido. But before heading there, I went to the west. With the hammer now in my possession, I wanted to put it to use. We can break a roadblock to return to the Medora region, and then following the road north, I was able to clear a rock blocking a cave and found a heart container. I also revisited Raru and Ruto towns, but didn't immediately notice anything different. I then went back through the cave south of Ruto and used the hammer to enter a second block cave. In this one, I found a bottled potion. Turns out it was a quest item, but I wouldn't learn that until I went to Mido. Mido stands apart from the previous towns in that it contains two abilities for the players to acquire. And thankfully, unlike Soraya, there are no spies from Ganon. That means no villagers will turn into monsters when spoken to. I like the spies concept as a storytelling element, but I don't like it for gameplay. It made me not want to talk to people, and I was very glad that it did not return here. An old woman inside Mido told me that I'd found the life water. I later learned from ZeldaDungeon.net's wiki that this woman normally asks the players to get the life water to heal a sick child. After giving her the life water, she let me enter her home where there's an old man with a spell. The spell he teaches is called Fairy. It allows Link to turn into a fairy and fly. It's strange, but useful. In a published conversation with Dragon Quest creator Yuji Horii in 1989, Shigeru Miyamoto says the spell rose out of an idea for the third Zelda game featuring a party of characters. He implied it would be the next game in the series developed. He said that he transplanted the fairy character into this game. He described this transplanted character as a girl who looked a little like a fairy and whose role consisted of reconnaissance. Like characters in action games that don't engage with enemies in combat, but rather go out and scout out the surroundings and then return to you safely. In this game, it's straight up a fairy and you fly. Also in town, I was told that the church bell would ring even though there was no one inside. Using the jump spell, I was able to reach a door on the second level of the church, and inside I found a swordsman who teaches players the downward strike. Another character gave me a hint to find the next dungeon. They told me I needed to speak with Error in Ruto. I briefly mentioned Error in the last episode. You'll recall he's become something of a meme in the years following Zelda 2. There are many commentators who act as if his introduction is just a bit of random nonsense. But it turns out it's purposeful and even important to players. And there's a story behind his odd name. 
According to a 2012 article in the official Nintendo magazine entitled 22 Classic Gaming Mistakes by Thomas Deist, the name error is not a mistake. However, it is part of a joke that was botched in the translation. Apparently, Bagu, the man who gave us the note to cross the bridge in Soraya, is supposed to be Bug, as in software bug, meaning there were supposed to be characters named Error and Bug as a likely in-joke by the developers. However, for some reason, the Japanese word Bagu went untranslated. It made Error's name stand out even more and resulted in the joke being completely lost on players outside of Japan. Returning to the village of Ruto, Error tells us that there's a cave south of King's Tomb. We then head back to the massive cemetery. There's a path around King's Tomb that allows us to easily maneuver around and then head south. It's not long before Link falls down a pit. Players will fall right on top of a group of beetle enemies called louders. Quick thinking players will be able to use a downward thrust to avoid taking damage. I wasn't quick enough, but I did manage to avoid additional damage after running into the first enemy. To the left is an exit back to the cemetery, and to the right is a high ledge that's impossible to jump up on, even if you use the jump spell. This is another hard lock that prevents players from reaching the island palace if they don't have the fairy spell. Using the fairy spell, we can fly to the top of the ledge, and then continue on to Island Palace. Once again, the visual appearance of this palace helped it feel very distinct from the other dungeons in the game. The Island Palace features a red brick look, which I like a lot. But as with other dungeons in the game, there's no real theming. The palace is mechanically the same as the previous dungeons, and it even features a few repeated rooms. This time I didn't notice any rooms that returned from previous dungeons, but there are rooms that we first encounter in this dungeon that are used more than once within the same location. The first of the repeated rooms features a number of platforms made up of breakable blocks set on top of pillars. It gives the impression of the tall mushrooms found in the Super Mario games. We find this room off the elevator at the entrance and off the elevator that leads to the lowest room of the dungeon. The second set of repeated rooms follows immediately after that first mushroom platform room it features breakable floors. The second of these repeated rooms actually has a key hidden in one of the floors. We have to break through the floor to reach it. So while technically players can reach this dungeon before taking on Medora Palace, they won't be able to get far. There's a hard lock in place and the handy glove is required to complete the dungeon, forcing players to go back and complete Medora Palace first. The standout room in this dungeon is the furthest one to the east on the top level. It's an open courtyard. The striking visuals of the outdoor area inside a palace makes it really stand out. This room holds a key and is interesting mostly for the change in visual style. Other noteworthy rooms include the room furthest west on the second basement level of the dungeon. It features a large structure made out of breakable blocks. Players have to break through the structure to reach a key, all while avoiding attacks from floating dragon hen enemies that spit fireballs. At first I wasn't too worried about this room, but then I started getting attacked from both sides while I was still trying to break back out of the structure. I took the most damage from enemies in this room. Traveling east to the opposite side of the palace, players will find the dungeon item, the raft. It works just as it did in the original game, allowing players to launch from docks or rather to launch from THE dock. There's only one in this game, down from two in the previous game. But the dock here, again, stands as a hard lock, blocking off the eastern part of Hyrule until players get this item. 
In the lowest level of the dungeon, we find the boss. It's called Rebonac. This is a blue iron knuckle enemy which rides a hovercraft shaped like a horse. A couple of downward strikes will knock it from its craft, and then it just turns into a standard fight with a blue iron knuckle. Players actually encountered a couple of these enemies earlier in the dungeon. They throw swords while quickly blocking. They're among the most difficult enemies in the game, but I had a much easier time dealing with it because I was playing the special edition and all of Link's abilities were fully leveled up. Once the boss falls, we get the final key and can place the crystal and exit the dungeon. We can then travel back through the cave and return to Mido, where we can use our raft to travel to Eastern Hyrule. That's what we're doing next week. We'll cross the sea and visit the towns of Niburu and Darunia, and then take on the Maze Palace. Please subscribe if you're enjoying this podcast and consider sharing it with a friend. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.